Hi, and welcome to a grab bag episode of Five Minutes of Rum. Notes on rum, a few minutes at a time. My name is Kevin Up the Grove. Today's episode is number 49, and it's a compilation of things that are at least tangentially holiday related. Uh, maybe it's a gift I received, maybe it's a recipe I discovered, or maybe a recipe that I rediscovered. The rum in this episode is a port cask finished rum from Foursquare Distillery in Barbados. I also have a few new to me bar tools to share and some holiday themed recipes. Now, jumping right into the feature rum for this episode, that's the Foursquare Distillery Port Cask Finished Rum. Um, we'll go right into my tasting notes, and then we'll talk a little bit about the RLC Owen Company, who owns uh, and produces Foursquare, and then we'll talk a little bit about this specific rum. But starting off with tasting notes, um, appearance. So the Foursquare Distillery Port Cask Finished Rum, it, it comes in a fairly nondescript bottle with a screw cap. Uh, that screw cap is hidden beneath a generous pour of wax on top. Uh, the label wisely skips being fancy and just lists all the pertinent information right in the front that you might want to know. The rum itself is a medium to medium amber dark and is uh, looks like a good maple syrup in the glass. Um, when you swirl that around, it leaves a nice line along the edge of the glass. And then after about a minute or so, that line gives way to droplets and then further on to legs that slowly slide down the, uh, the glass. Uh, Aroma-wise, um, a little bit of difference for me between sipping it, or not sipping it, for smelling it from the bottle versus selling it, smelling it from the glass. Um, there's a hint of sweetness initially from the glass, and then I pick up a little bit of the barrel and a slight vanilla chaser, um, which is probably coming from the barrel. The port, um, it, you know, as the name implies, this is a, a rum that was finished in a port cask. That port or wine note is, to me, more pronounced when I smell it directly from the bottle as opposed to smelling it once it's been aerated in the glass, but that's just how, how I sort of picked it up. Taste-wise, uh, I found the rum to be very smooth, um, not too hot, and that's to be expected because it's a 40% alcohol by volume or an 80-proof rum. Uh, it's dry, but it's unmistakably rum. Um, there are some fruit notes. I can't grab any individual like uh, names of what those fruits are, but I did pick up some general fruit notes. Uh, that kind of weave in and out as I sip the rum. Um, it's nicely complex, changing from sip to swallow, but not overly declaring its port influence. Uh, Finish-wise, I found the finish to be warm and slow, a nice fade in the back of the throat. There's a nice reminder of the port long after the finish when you've almost forgotten about it. So all in all, uh, sort of, it doesn't go, you know, even though it's declared in the name that this is a port cask finished rum, it's not going out of its way to beat you over the head with that fact that it was in a port barrel or excuse me, a port cask. Um, sum up this rum for me personally, this, I think this rum is a great sipper. Um, and since this is a limited edition rum, I'd probably not really use it in cocktails, nor would I develop a cocktail specifically for it. Uh, this is a great rum for slowly sipping neat, no ice really required in this case. Um, and just savoring it, um, in the glass. I used it in an old-fashioned cocktail, more on that in a little bit, just to see how it handled itself as a mixer. Overall, a great sipping rum at a great price. Uh, probably best the best application I can think of it would be uh, it's good for inviting over a handful of good friends, passing out small glasses, and then just pouring it out neat while you enjoy each other's company. So the production of this rum, um, the parent company of Foursquare, or the, the folks that own Foursquare, are RL Seal and Company. Um, that they, they are based in Barbados. The company itself was established in the 1920s and they bought an, an abandoned sugar factory where the Foursquare operations uh, now live. They bought that in 1995. After outfitting that location with some new custom stills, they began production their own production of rum in 1996. I believe prior to that, they were rum uh, traders and importers prior, um, as opposed to actually producing their own rum. 
Um, they produce a, a number of different rums on that site, uh, currently including the brands uh, Mahiki Rum 66, Dooley's, the RLCL Tenure, which I discussed in episode 29, uh, their own Foursquare label, Real McCoy, and some others. So uh, the rums from Foursquare, they don't use Barbados sugar or Barbados molasses. This isn't unusual nowadays. Many distilleries use molasses uh, sourced from elsewhere, uh, which is, uh, as a side note, why some of the older rum category designations are sort of breaking down. When your molasses and sugar is not coming from the island where you're producing it, you sort of lose some of that uh, influence that would uh, make that categorization a little bit more true. Anyways, um, passing that aside for now, uh, Foursquare's uh, molasses comes from Guiana. Uh, rums from Foursquare use yeast that's imported from South Africa, and they use what to me sounds like a very precise two-step, slow, and temperature-controlled fermentation process. Rums from Foursquare are a blend of pot and column still rums with the percentage of each, whether, you know, percentage of pot versus column um, in a particular rum that, that as they blend that, you know, more rum or, or excuse me, more column still versus more pot still or vice versa, that kind of lends itself to uh, what ends up, you know, how that ends up, how the rum ends up tasting. The other key factor in addition to blending those two different types of stilled rums um, would be the aging process they, that they use. So different rums go through different aging processes, and that also helps differentiate one rum from another. Richard Seal uh, is fairly well known for a couple of things in the spirit industry. He is a believer in using technology to push forward the distillation process. So some of the stills that uh, Foursquare is using are fairly technologically advanced. And he also has very strong opinions, or so I've read, about rum production, primarily the addition of sugar and other additives to a rum after it's been produced. All rums from Foursquare are aged at least two years in oak. Um, they will not be, they will not have extra sugar or other things added to flavor them afterwards. Um, and then some of the rums, like the one in this episode, are also supplementarily supplementarily aged in other casks, such as port or sherry. Um, one other thing to note on Foursquare rums: if it's produced by Foursquare, you can uh, be assured that. Um, there, the, if the, there's an age statement on their label, it, it represents the youngest rum in that bottle. So if you see something that says this is a 10 year rum, like the RL seal that we talked about in episode 29, and it says it's a 10 year rum, that means the youngest rum in that bottle is 10 year, but some of it could be older. Um, in terms of rum as a category, Barbados rums are some of, you know, the, uh, the rummiest rums, if I could use that expression, not really in the sense that they're like, say more boozy but they represent a very true essence of what rum is. So um, this is this is a good representation. If you're looking at a Barbados rum from Foursquare, that's a very good expression of what rum actually is. Um, production of this rum, specifically this port cask finished rum, um, it's a part of a new limited edition type release from Foursquare. Uh, in a report from Josh Miller, who uh, runs the Inuakena website, which there's a link to that in the show notes, um, he talked, he has not only visited the distillery, there's a link to that. He also reviewed this rum in particular. Um, and he noted in the review of this, of the distillery, I believe that they're working on a rum finished, you know, they, they did this as a limited edition. They're also working on another limited edition where the rum is going to be finished in a Zinfandel cask. Uh, they're also working on a barrel proof, which means it's closer to a 60, 65% alcohol by volume, uh, product product, um, and other rum experiments. So there's lots of uh, limited edition type things that Foursquare is working on. Now, again, like going back to speaking of Josh, it was his review of this port cask finished rum that really put it on my radar. I, I put a link to it on my blog maybe a month ago, a month and a half ago, uh, just to, more as a reminder to myself that I wanted to check this rum out. 
Um, the note from his review that stood out to me was, um, in essence, was saying that while finishing spirits in an alternative spirit barrel is very much in vogue right now, meaning you know you finish a spirit not just in an oak barrel, but then you move it to something else like a port barrel or a sherry barrel or something else like that, the end result is often uh, too, something that takes on too much of that secondary aging element. So meaning you end up with a very, very say, port or sherry flavored rum rather than creating another layer of complexity. You kind of just replace the rum flavor with whatever you finished it as. Josh's experience based on his review was that the port cask finished rum did not suffer that same fate. Um, now, luckily, my blog has at times become a wish list resource. Um, and side note to myself, I should put more things I want on my blog. Um, and I received the port cask finished rum from my sister for Christmas. Now, aside from my earlier notes, what else can I glean from the bottle and other research? Uh, like I mentioned, when during the tasting notes, the rum is 40% alcohol by, by volume or 80 proof. It was aged a total of nine years, three years in a quote-unquote normal aging in a bourbon barrel, followed by six years in a port cask. Uh, that six years in the port cask seems rather remarkable considering that the port flavor didn't dominate the tasting when I when I sampled the rum. Uh, this is, I believe I mentioned before, this is a limited edition style release, so if you are interested in this rum, uh, find it and get a bottle or two. Retail looks to be around $35 a bottle, uh, but I definitely wouldn't recommend building your bar program around it um, unless you have the money and resources to sway and and convince uh, Richard Seal to produce it on a regular basis. Uh, this rum, you know, once it's gone, it's gone. Uh, so you probably don't want to invest too much into uh, anything other than just drinking it as a spirit that's, you know, delicious and neat. Um, the rum was bottled in June of 2014 and is probably, you know, not long for this world. I, I don't think this bottle is going to last too long in, in my household. Um, now, as I mentioned during the tasting, um, normally I would do like a daiquiri test for a rum. Uh, in this case, I elected to go with an old fashioned just to try and, you know, like a daiquiri test, really highlight the rum. I think an old fashioned is also on an aged spirit, a good way to highlight that spirit. Um, so it, I think it certainly worked well in that application, but I don't know that I actually improved it over sipping it neat. So I don't know that I would necessarily make an old fashioned with this rum as opposed to just pouring out a couple ounces in a glass and, and sipping it slowly. Uh, probably if I used maybe a dash less of Ango, that would have helped the, the final product. For the old fashioned, um, I took a mixing glass and I combined two and a half ounces of the four square port finish or port cask finish rum with one teaspoon of simple syrup and two dashes of Angostura bitters. I stirred that to chill and strained into a double old fashioned glass over a chunk of a large chunk of ice. I garnished garnished it with a lemon peel because. No, not because I was being contrarian, but I wanted a bright citrus note, but I didn't want orange to be introduced in this case. Um, that I, The cocktail was good. It got better as it went along. But overall, like I said, I, I would probably recommend just handling this rum neat. That's the way it's. I think it's uh, you know destined to be enjoyed. Now, with respect to bar tools, I did get a couple of new things for Christmas or just a couple of things that I've gotten recently that are sort of around that. So I'm going to lump them all together and maybe give each a mention. Um, and in most cases, there's a link to these things in the show notes plus pictures. So you can take a look at it. Um, if I'm not doing a very good job of theater of the mind and describing these, you can at least go to the website and look at a picture and see what each of these things looks like. Um, first thing was um, received a new cocktail jigger that have uh, that has compartments, uh, which sounds a little odd, but bear with me. It's called a pro jig. Um, it is uh, sh it's shaped plastic. It's and it's frosted, not really clear. Uh, it's the same principle as a traditional jigger in that you have two differently sized cups that are joined end to end. But in this case, is these in this case these are triangular, 
and one cup has been then subdivided into smaller size compartments that measure one quarter ounce, one half ounce, and three quarter ounce. And then each of these are pourable from its own spout because they're sort of angled to be rect- uh, not rectangular, excuse me, to be triangular. Uh, the, the other cup that's undivided is a 1.25 ounce measure. So check out the picture in the show notes. The primary advantage of this jigger, as I can tell um, from the couple of times that I've used it, is the ease of measuring smaller amounts like that quarter ounce along with the ease of pouring out those small measures because each one of those small little containers has its own little uh, spout that kind of goes into a triangle. So it also seems pretty tough. It's not a cheap plastic. It's an industrial plastic. It's dishwasher safe. Uh, I think it's built to last. So um, there's a link in the show notes to the jigger on Amazon. Will it actually replace my OXO jigger? Probably not. It's I think it's more of a supplement than a replacement, but it's definitely uh, an interesting tool. Uh, what else did I receive? I got a, a OXO pineapple core. So my plastic vacuum in finally gave up the ghost after a few years of service and I received the OXO pineapple uh, core as an upgrade um, for Christmas. There's a picture and link to that in the show notes as well. I typically subscribe to the Alton Brown, you know, no unitasker philosophy in the kitchen, but the pineapple core is a place where I make an exception. Um, I don't have a lot more to say about this that I didn't say in episode 42 when I talked about corn and pineapple and juicing it there. Uh, But this is one of those things that a bartender who deals in tropical and tiki cocktails needs to have on hand. Um, And this version looks like a a pretty sturdy version. Most stuff I have from OXO wears pretty well, and I don't think this is going to be any different. Uh, The last couple of things that I got, um, these weren't necessarily holiday gifts, but they were uh, recent uh, purchases from Cocktail Kingdom. Uh, It's it's more things from the Jeff Beach Bumberry collection, uh, a Skull Bar Spoon and Jeff Beach Bumberry cocktail picks. Uh, The Skull Bar Spoon is just what it says it is. It's a bar spoon with a skull on one end. Uh, It's made from stainless steel and it looks pretty nifty. Uh, It's definitely not essential, but it's a fun spoon um, using that to stir. The skull gives it a nice counterweight up at the top, so when you start stirring, you get a good balance on the spoon. Um, it's the cocktail picks. Uh, the other thing, the cocktail picks, they're a nifty little item to use with garnishes. They're little red cocktail picks with the Bums Cocktail Kingdom logo on one end, and they're fairly inexpensive. They come in boxes of 36, I believe. There's also probably some bigger boxes for more industrial bar use, but for home use, I bought the box of 36. And at the price, I'm not too concerned about whether I'm going to lose them or if, you know, it, they could probably be washed and reused in a home bar. But um, at the price they're selling them at, I'm not going to be too worried if one of them gets lost or if I throw them away after a couple of uses. Uh, again, pictures and links in the show notes. I'm really happy to see the Beach Bumberry line of products continue to expand at Cocktail Kingdom. Uh, pretty good quality and very fun uh, products overall. I do get a lot of use out of the metal swizzle cups. That's probably the item I get the most use out of uh, because they're constantly um, in rotation. Either they're either in my freezer or they're you know a swizzle is being concocted in them. But I do get a lot of use out of those, and I believe there are some signature cocktail ceramic mugs that are on the horizon. So I'm looking forward to those as well. Now, how about some holiday themed cocktail recipes? Um, I'm gonna. Start by mentioning a recipe that showed up in the November-December 2015 episode of Imbibe Magazine. It's called Nutty Like a Fruitcake, and it is a recipe originated by uh, bartender Mindy. Um, last name, I'm going to say withheld because I've been listening to a lot of the Flophouse, but mostly because I didn't write it down. Anyways, Mindy is a bartender at Hale Pele, um, and this is a great recipe that I've already made a few times this season. 
The really the only thing that's preventing me from making it more is my dwindling supply of allspice dram, uh, a problem that I'm in the, now in the middle of a six weeks fix six week fix for. Uh, nonetheless, the the recipe itself, um, there's a I have a link to it in the show notes. Um, it was also linked to on Cocktail Virgin and a couple other places. But here's the recipe if you want to make it at home. It's one and one half ounces of Demerara rum. Um, I used Hamilton eighty six. One half ounce of spiced rum. I used my own uh, homemade infused spiced rum. If you don't have that, maybe try Kraken. I'm not really sure. Uh, one ounce of orange juice. In this case, you may as well use fresh squeezed orange juice because you're going to want the orange for the garnish. One half ounce of fresh lemon juice. Three quarter ounce of orgeat. One half ounce of uh, orange curacao. Pierre Ferrand dry curacao would be a good choice here. One quarter ounce of allspice dram, either homemade or St. Elizabeth. And one dash of Angostura bitters. Uh, combine all of those ingredients in a shaker tin, shake it with ice, and then strain into a double old-fashioned glass filled with crushed ice. Garnish that with a cinnamon stick, uh, some grated nutmeg, and then take a slice of the orange that you had for the juice, and then sort of stud that, stick that with a bunch of cloves, and, and put that on the side of the glass. Uh, you get a lot of the, as you can tell by the recipe, a lot of traditional Christmas spice notes, um, and the drink really comes together well. Um, it's uh, it's very, I would say it's it's not really warm because it's chilled and over ice, but it kind of has that, you know, everything pulls together and becomes a, a very um, a warm drink. I don't, I don't know a better way to describe it, but give it a try and and, and uh, see if you uh, if you enjoy it. Another recipe I want to talk about um, since it's that time of year is Jeffrey Morgenthaler's eggnog recipe. Um, so eggnog is not really something that I grew up with, but I've come around to it recently. Um, and I'll just say on, as far as the eggnog goes, this has raw eggs. Um, I'm not going to try and convince you to make this. You either already know if you're going to make it or, you know, if you're not going to make it, but I will say that once you've had this eggnog, your opinion of pretty much all eggnog will change regardless of whether you like other lesser nogs. So if you're not an eggnog fan, uh, this one probably would change your mind. And if you are an eggnog fan, you're going to think that the other nogs are not really, not really appropriate after trying this recipe. Uh, the recipe itself dates back to uh, 2009 on Morgenthaler's website. Um, it's been republished in many locations, including the New York Times Cookbook, Imbibe, uh, Playboy.com, and other locations. I think I linked to it from my blog last year, but I didn't really talk about it in an episode. Um, and it's not really apropos of anything. I'm not using this episode's rum in the eggnog. Um, it's just that I've made it a couple of times, and I think that it's a, a you know it's a good. It's the thing that you only bust out once a year, but if you're going to do it once a year, you might as well make it a good one. And this is probably, not probably, this is the best one I've ever had. The recipe for this, um, and this is also easily multiplied. So I'm going to give you the this version of the recipe, but you know, usually I, I times it by two and make uh, what ends up being about a half gallon of it. But here's here's the recipe in short form. Two large eggs, three ounces by volume of super fine or baker sugar. So that's not powdered sugar, but it's also not normal granulated sugar. It's basically a, a very finely ground uh, white sugar. Um, and I should mention before I go any further in the recipe, um, the recipe that Jeffrey Morgenthaler has on his site that is the basis of the one that I'm going to relay is the one that he's the bar manager at Clyde Clement in uh, PD in Portland. And the version they serve there is a combination of Anejo tequila and Amontillado sherry. Um, uh, so I didn't actually use the tequila or the sherry because this, you know, rum is sort of my thing. Uh, so I've, I've substituted in, but I'm going to give you the recipe with along with my substitution. So let's go back and start that recipe again. Two large eggs, three ounces by volume of super fine or baker sugar, 
two ounces of Anejo tequila. Um, I substitute here an aged rum. This year I used a Diplomatico Reserve. Last year I used the Plantation five-year rum. Two and one-half ounces of Amontillado sherry. This is um, in in the in this case I I substituted originally a sherry finished rum, um, or used another strong rum. So uh, what I had previously was a plantation Trinidad rum that had been finished in a sherry cask, and then was uh, bottled for high time and other re- retailers. Uh, I made one edition of that this year and then ran out of that rum. So in the subsequent recipe, I used a Clamont single barrel just to give it some distinctive woodiness from that agricole. That's a very, um, I would say barrel forward agricole. Um, also six ounces of whole milk and four ounces of heavy cream. So in a blender or a stand mixer on low speed, first beat the eggs until smooth and then slowly add the sugar until the sugar is incorporated and dissolved. Then add your rums, your milk and your cream. Or if you're making the other version, add, you know, substitute in the tequila and the sherry for the rum. Um, Once those are all combined, you want to put that in a glass container and then refrigerate that overnight. And then once once it's been overnight, at least overnight, then you can serve that in small chilled cups. When you serve it, you do want to dust that with some freshly grated nutmeg, which gives it um, a real nice nose and, and, you know, sort of finish it off good um, as a good eggnog. You can simplify this recipe and use just one rum instead of a combination of the two, but I would encourage you to try and combine two in a way that mixes well, just as an experiment. Um, or try combining rum with another spirit like a sherry or a brandy that might be maybe a little bit more traditional for an eggnog and see if you uh, see if you can hit on a combination that you like. The last recipe for this episode is called the Xmas Red. Um, so two of my f- my now favorite perennial Christmas cocktail recipes um, are uh, cre- I would credit to uh, Helena from A Mountain of Crushed Ice. She published a, a blog post that I've linked in the show notes in, in 2010 where she really relayed two recipes, the Christmas Nui and the Xmas Red, both of which featured Smith & Cross rum, which was relatively new on the market at that time. Um, and I found both of, the res- both of these recipes to be very delicious and things that have just pretty much been holiday staples since they were published. So I want to talk about the Xmas Red today. The recipe itself is one and one half ounce of Grand Marnier. Um, I used Clement Creole shrub in place of the Grand Marnier for my uh, for my version. One and one half ounces of Smith and Cross Jamaican rum. One and one half ounces of cranberry juice. One half ounce of fresh lemon juice. One half ounce of simple syrup. Uh, you can substitute a hibiscus grenadine syrup for a richer red color. I'll get to that in a moment. And then you'll need some uh, fresh rosemary needles. So you want to take about eight to 10 of those rosemary needles and muddle those with the simple syrup in the bottom of a shaker tin, then add the rest of your ingredients and then shake that well with ice cubes and then strain into a rocks glass with new uh, large ice cubes in it. So you don't want to pour unstrained, you want to strain into uh, the glass with new ice cubes in it and then garnish that with a rosemary sprig. Um, now I made this uh, a couple days ago and lamented on Instagram about the pale co- color of my cranberry juice this year. Um, and Helena had helpfully offered a suggestion maybe of substituting hibiscus syrup for the simple syrup in order, in order to boost the, the red color of that. So I made that version and that did in fact make it look a lot more Christmassy with the brighter red color and didn't add too much, uh, it didn't change the recipe too much. So it still works really well. Overall, it hits some good notes. It's got obviously, you know, cranberry, which is a sort of a traditional Thanksgiving slash Christmas flavor and then the orange, and the, it mixes well with the Smith & Cross Jamaican rum. It gives it a nice punch, 
Um, the Smith and Cross is, you know, really makes itself known in cocktail recipes. Uh, and I think that this is what works pretty well with the combination of ingredients here. And it's, it's good. The Christmas Nui is also good, but I, I think I covered that at least on the blog last year. Um, go to, go to Helena's site and look at her posts on these two things and, and make them at home. I think you'll, I think you'll really enjoy them. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. The show links are up on the five minutes of rum website. That's number five minutes of rum.com. Uh, the show is also on iTunes as Five Minutes of Rum. You can subscribe, you can rate the show, or you can leave a review, or you can do all those things. Uh, the show is also on Twitter as at Five Minutes of Rum. That's at symbol number Five Minutes of Rum. Please send in any comments, corrections, feedback, or requests via the Five Minutes of Rum website or on Twitter. And now, go get some rum. <laughs>